You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. We're cultural observers. And of curious minds. Get ready for sisterly banter while we chat about fixations, learnings, and personal growth. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello and welcome back to OK Sis. My name is Mads. And guess what? It's 2021. Okay, well, you just bulldozed over me, you know, saying my name. Uh, I am Scout. I am the older sister of Mads. And you are right. It is 2021. And I cannot honestly believe it. I was writing in my journal and I wrote 1 slash 2 slash 2021. And it felt as if an achie- it, it was an achievement just to write that date. It was a, it was a successful achievement. Honestly, we all deserve a vacation. We all deserve the utmost of relaxation and comfort and just easing into this year because you know what? I feel there's a hopefulness in the air. There's a sparkle. Like I just, nothing has changed, but I think there is an embodiment of hope and a narrative that I've, I've been uh, witnessing across the, you know, social channels and, and the society. Also, I, it's really crazy because I feel as if, yes, there is this message of hope, but there's also this, like, all these captions about how much people grew this year and how actually Mm -hmm. 2020 was the year they slowed down and found themselves and all of these incredible personal development and spiritual breakthroughs. And it just goes to show, it's such a beautiful reminder that through pain and through struggle, if we go through that process right and we walk through the fire with our head held high we come out on the other end so much more beautiful. Like I think about the trajectory of our lives, everything was changed because of 2020. Like 
our lives Truly. will like uh, 10 years we're gonna be so different just because of the fact that 2020 happened I mean we were texting right when it turned the clock struck midnight and we were saying that when we have kids, they're going to come up to us and at, like for a school like experiment or like a school paper or something or a research assignment and ask us like what was going on in 2020 and what we did and what we dealt with. So I just it's going to be in history books like we are living through history. Oh, yes, we are. But with 2021, I am so excited for 2021. First, we have the vaccine that's being rolled out. 2021 is the year of the vaccine. Um, and, but I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be different. I think that I was talking, I was talking to my husband and I said, you know, even if I get the vaccine, it's going to take me a little bit to get reacquainted into large groups or oh, yeah. inside, you know, it's just going to take, it's not going to bounce back right away. And, and I don't want it to, I want it to be more of a slow progression, um, back into not the normal that we knew before, but you know, being able to eat in a restaurant would be nice. Right. I want to get out of this in a different way than we got into this. Like when we entered this whole phase completely abruptly, it shook all of our worlds and it was really unnatural. There was no slow progression. Like let's learn from that and get out of this with a little ease, a little slowness. We, we, we could do it guys. Yeah. So I'm okay. stoked. It's 2021. I'm fucking stoked. I mean, um, my 2021 already has been fabulous. Um, I have been inundated with Bridgerton, which is a show on Netflix. A very sexy, sexy show, if I may say so myself. Um, lots of, lots of pornographic, pornographic uh, scenes. What is up with lot you of, in, con- in consuming lot. content that's, like, borderline pornographic? Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess this is just my calling. Um, mm. It's just been, I don't know. But Br- Bridgerton is, like, people are freaking out over it. It's incredible. I finished it last night at, like, 1.30 in the morning, which is an ungodly hour. I don't remember the last time I stayed up that late, but I had to finish it. And I would highly recommend, guys, Bridgerton. I mean, if only, if you just want to watch it, um... Just watch it for the main character. He is uh, not a, si- a sight for sore sight for sore eyes. He is not. No, a si- no, that means he is that. That's a negative phrase, I believe. I think that's a positive one. A sight for sore eyes. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> okay, regardless, this guy is very good looking. So if you would like some content with a good looking cast, I would I would recommend. And it's Shonda Rhimes' first show that she's made for Netflix. So it's really exciting. Well, I, as you know, am binging Friends for the first time. Um, it's so funny. The texts you have been sending me, like, when did Ross and Rachel get together? I have to wait till the last season. Oh, my God. The monkey. Da, da, da. I was like, okay, you have so much more Friends content. Like, please do not update me every episode that something happens. You were but, so annoying. I was like, how many seasons are there of Friends? And you said, I'm not fucking Google. Check your HBO Max. I was like, I what was use so are you? Sassy. What? What use are I was you if you have so literally sassy last seen night. you have seen Friends so many times seasons. that you don't even know how many seasons there are? There's ten, and um, There's the 10? reason I was the reason I was so There's sassy. Like oh my god, five episodes per season. Oh my god, do not be ungrateful. Can you are blessed with ten seasons of the best show on earth. Like, calm down. Do not do not complain. 
Um, no, but why I was so sassy last night is after watching that video of Ricky Thompson yelling at his sister. If you have not seen this video and you would like to laugh, if you need a little pick me up, I highly recommend watching the it's on his IGTV um, of him yelling at his sister to get on the fucking red eye and get the fuck out of his home. It it is us in a nutshell. Like it was I was crying. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, he, he at least I feel like Ricky has um the self-awareness to know that he's going to experience an energetic hangover. So he's pushing his sister out early <laughs> versus myself who lets you make maybe stay a day or two longer than you should. And then yeah. I'm crippled with tiredness. Yeah. Oh my God. It was too good. Um, another thing I've been inundated with is Cassie David's book. Oh yeah. You were, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit confused. I'm, I'm kind okay. of having an identity crisis right now oh, because okay. I thought that we were on like the reading of the iPad train and then all of a sudden I just keep seeing these physical books in your Instagram stories and now it's confusing me about what I should do with my life. I am just Scout. troubled. You're, you're an individual. Um, you can mm-hmm. make decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, do what makes you happy and healthy in this life. I, w- I do not be influenced by me. I am constantly now, influenced by you. I this, like this is this is true. This is true. Now, what what happened was, I felt myself not wanting to read because all day I am on a computer. All day I am looking at a little tiny phone screen. Then. I go to the TV. It's a screen on a screen on a screen. And then when I go to read, I go to an iPad. The difference with the Kindle is like it doesn't really look like a screen. So it's a little easier on the eyes. And it's not that it was that tough on my eyes because I would put it into dark mode. But there's just something energetically, as you would say, about screen to screen to screen to screen rather than, okay, I'm now like ridding myself of all screens. It's the only activity I do that doesn't have a screen. Even working out, I'm looking at a screen for the for obey. So it's just, you know, I wanted to create a ritual where I'm just not looking at a screen. Yeah, I hear you. I think that I guess it differs for me a little bit because I don't look at my phone that much during the day. So I go hours without looking at it. I take long walks without looking at screens. I'm cooking. Wow. You don't look at you, screens. So you deserve a medal, Scout. You deserve a medal. I'm just saying that I don't need to limit my screen time so much because I, I don't need to limit my iPad screen time so much because I limit my screen time in other areas. Got it. Yeah, see, you're an individual, Scout. Do hmm. what makes you happy. And hmm. I, I agree. It does make me read more and faster, which yeah. is weird. But um, I, I just I need to get back to the archaic uh, reading with a physical book. Yeah. I said it. Scout, guess what? What? Guess what I purchased. You oh. already know the answer, but I the listeners do not. I, I don't know the answer. I got a oh. deck of cards. Okay, so this is a I huge moment. a deck of motherfucking cards. So, sisters, when you... Okay, so Matt FaceTimes me, and she's like, I bought a positive affirmation deck card, and I was so blown away. I told her to pick cards for us, so she picked a card for me, she picked a card for herself, and she picked a card for her boyfriend. Every single card was so intuitively on point to what the three of us were working on in that moment that Mads, instead of being a naysayer and quick to be like, magic doesn't exist and don't trust the universe, she totally leaned into it while her boyfriend did it and we had a conversation. I literally voice noted my coach and I was like, Maddie bought a deck of cards. I was so excited. How do you feel? Tell me about the experience. What's going on? 
So I've seen this brand on Instagram where I see most of my brands and it's called I Am Everything Affirmation Card Deck and, you know, trendy looking. We're all about the branding over here at OKSYS. So that had to be uh, a prerequisite to me buying an affirmation card. But I was in this cute little shop in San Luis Obispo and they had it. And I was like, oh my God, because I've, I've gone on their website, tried to buy it. But I was like, I don't know. I just didn't, I just didn't do it. But it was there sitting in front of me. And I was like, this is a sign from the universe that I need to get this deck. And it is super cute. Basically what it is, 30 feel good affirmation cards to help you remember who you really are. And you just pick a card one day, read it out loud. And again, like my, it's, it's just a way to set like an intention as you move through your day. Right. So it's not like a be all say all like, oh my God, I have to like not think about anything else, but this one intention, but rather it's just, you go through the day. Oh my God. I just said, but rather, and Ben always makes fun of me for saying that in the podcast. Okay. I just had to, uh, self-awareness right now. So you you pick it and then just in, during the day when thoughts arise or when challenges uh, come come your way, you're just reminded of that card and what energy or space that you should enter that situation with. And it's all positive. It's all great. And it just reminds you that you are worthy and you are whole. Yeah, I think pulling cards for me, I have three decks now. Pulling cards for me is a really great way to kind of come home to myself. Like if I feel chaotic or um, really preoccupied with the external world and I want to kind of connect inward to my emotions and ground and center myself, pulling cards is such a great way because it makes you self-reflect on the card that you picked and apply it to your life and see how you can step into that energy more throughout your day. So I'm so happy. Also, another crazy thing that happened to the two of us was that Mads texted me and said, she said, I got you a present. And I intuitively was like, Maddie is at the Scout coffee shop at San Luis Obispo and she bought me a mug that says Scout. I had no idea she was going to San Luis Obispo this week. I didn't even know San Luis Obispo was driving distance from Big Sur because I don't know California's geography that well. And so I said, <laughs> did you buy me a mug that says Scout? And, and I literally, I asked you, I was like, do you have my location? So no, because, on. We, because, because we, how many times have we had conversations that I don't indulge in? You don't my do friends? find. Yeah. Which so, is pff, stupid. So but. I said, did you buy me a mug that says Scout? And she said, dot, dot, dot. How the fuck did you know? And I said, are you in San Luis Obispo right now? She said, how the fuck do you know? I said, are you at the Scout coffee shop? How do you know? And um, I was correct because I have had people visit the Scout coffee shop in San Luis Obispo send me pictures, and buy me a mug that says Scout. So um, it was kind of crazy. That was spooky. That was definitely yeah. spooky. I thought you were following me. I thought you were going to just, like, pop out from behind me. It was really spooky. But, uh, yes, I did purchase you a gift because you yell at me for not giving you gifts enough. So I did a very sisterly good deed and I bought you a gift and you ruined it for yourself so or I just displayed the interconnectedness of intu intuition right oh and was, that's was what it was displaying yes. me uh, tapping into my psychic abilities oh yes yes that's 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 a 2.0 version of Mad's okay. uh, positive yeah. affirmation decks I I I still believe you were trailing me behind and about to pop out from behind yes I, I drove to San Luis Obispo to watch your every move because I couldn't bear not being within a 10 mile geographic distance of you <laughs> uh okay great so 
Shall we get into this episode? Yes, we shall. But before we do, sisters, if you like OKSIS podcast, we would super appreciate it if you would text your favorite episode to a friend or subscribe, rate, and review. Those make our day every single day. We read all of them. Um, So yeah, that's just a small way you can support the podcast and the sisterhood um, or join our secret Facebook group, OK Sisters, uh, my favorite place on the internet personally. And yeah, that's about it. Also, stay tuned because in, I think, like two weeks or something, we're dropping some news that you're going to want to be a part of. So, oh, uh, yeah. And if you're in the secret Facebook group, you'll probably hear about it first. So. All right, sisters, this week we had the glorious, the most beautiful, the the woman about town, Zuri Hall. She is, I mean, can you name a better 2021 first guest for OK Sis? She is just bulldozed through the journalism and hosting world and landscape of both Los Angeles, but then across the nation even. And you might have seen her on Access Hollywood. She's been all over E in her in her career. And she even has a podcast called Hot Happy Mess, which, I mean, relatable. Um, it's all about... Um, burnout and you know achieving your best life so we love to see it this was an amazing conversation yeah something that really stuck with me about her is she's so tenacious and resilient like even at the very beginning of her career she had super high dreams and high goals and high hopes and then just went for them in every capacity so it was really cool to be able to reflect like she's She's around my age, but to see the 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 kind of meat of her career was so inspiring. Absolutely. And she's not afraid to be proud of herself and to admit that she has extreme grit. And that is what has brought her to where she is today. Yeah. So in this episode, we talk about not only the celebrities that she's interviewed, like Jim Carrey and Oprah and some of those fun anecdotes, but also how she's changed as an interviewer and what she brings to the table as an interviewer and how those conversations are really curated and shaped by the energy and curiosity that she brings. So it was cool to see, to hear not only about the incredible people that she's interviewed and what they were like in real life, but to Mm -hmm. hear how she's been impacted by her job and her interview style. So I think you're going to love it and happy new year, sisters. We are interrupting this episode because I think we just achieved podcast goals. Today's sponsor is a brand I have been wearing for over six years, pretty much the moment I realized I needed glasses. Sisters, let's talk about Warby Parker. Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. My favorite part, and the reason I have had over five Warby Parker frames over the years, is that their glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Sunglasses, progressives, and blue light lenses are also available. In addition to the fact that their styles are the most stylish while still being a good everyday look, they also offer at-home try-ons. We took their quiz online, chose five glasses to try on, which were delivered right to our doorstep. I got to try on all five of my favorite glasses in the comfort of my home. I FaceTimed Mads to show her. I sent pictures to my best friends. And once I picked a winner, I sent them back in the mail, ordered online, and received my glasses with my prescription days later. 
just an example of how Warby Parker makes things so easy. I got the Percy glasses with blue light in the tortoise shell color, which makes me feel, you know, very scholarly. And I got the Durand frames in rose water, and I was also seriously in need of some prescription sunglasses, so I went with a cat eye style with the Ida pair. Did we also mention that for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need? So sisters, you don't need to leave your house to go shopping for new glasses. Isn't that the dream? You can try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. You order five pairs of glasses to try it on at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy them. Ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com slash OKSIS. That's warbyparker.com slash OKSIS. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans, and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless design. So you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA-grown, eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. 
Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute, I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Okay, sisters, back to the episode. Um, Is that is that an Emmy oh in, in that, the background? That's so obnoxious. That was only supposed to be there for one specific shot that I was doing unrelated. Now I just feel like a douchebag, but yes. Oh my God. You should not feel like a douchebag. If I had an Emmy, I would like attach it to myself as a backpack. (laughs) Just gently rocking my Emmy up and down the streets of Hollywood. Uh, Yes, that is an Emmy. I won it uh, years ago, actually, regional Emmy for Outstanding Talent Host um, for some work that I did. Oh gosh, this is probably five years ago now, five or six. We need another one. She needs a friend, so we're working on it. We, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She needs a friend for sure. Well, thank you so much for being here for doing this. We are beyond thrilled to talk to you. I mean, you are one of the largest TV Hollywood reporters out there, and we are so excited to get into all the nitty gritty of your work. Uh, But first, as we always do, let's do a round of current fixations. So, Scout, do you want to start? Yeah, I'll start. So my current fixation is this hair oil by Bread Beauty Supply, and I found it on one of Vogue's gift guide this year's, which, by the way, they did an excellent job. Um, and this one was in their black-owned business one. So it's a black-owned beauty kind of – they have shampoo and conditioner, but I was really looking for the hair oil. And essentially mm. what caught my eye about this is that they said that it's for curl types 3A to 4C. And then after I saw that, I was like, it's $24. Like, that's it. And then after that, they had a Black Friday sale for like 20% off. So the whole thing cost me 18 bucks. So I got it. And I have been, as you guys know, on this like journey this year to wear my hair curly. I've never done it my whole life. And finding the right oil has been a little difficult, especially because my hair, like day one hair to day four hair is totally different. Day one hair is super curly but then by the time we get to day five it's like straight so anyways I I, I've been in the market and I really really highly recommend this one it's a small business black owned it's actually for curly hair so you're not just using an oil that's kind of like for whoever's hair who knows Um, I will say you do not need a lot of it so I was a little over generous the first time I tried it out and my hair got a little oily, but it's because it was just, it was too much. So the next time I put less and it's, it's really natural, really lightweight. It smells, I'll be honest, the smell is a little, uh, artificial. It feels a little bit. It kind of feels like a licorice smell, but that smell does leave in like 30 minutes. So nothing to complain about there. So Yeah, it's called Bread Beauty Supply, beautiful branding, really nice bottle, good price. You can get it at Sephora. Mm, I might have to try that for my curls. 
I'm like floating in the 4C space with my natural hair, so I'm going to test that out. I'm like in between everything. I tried to do the test, <laughs> and I was like, I have an identity crisis. I don't know what I am. So but like, you are 75 XYZ, a little bit of D, throwing an F. Which I might actually just chop all my hair off because I do believe that that consistency of hair is much better with shorter hair. Yeah, I will say like I, it's easier to just kind of like hop out of the sh- shower and go. You know, once it gets to a certain length, it starts to get a little wonky having balance. Like my curl is not consistent from front to back, you know, like it's tighter in the back, it's it's looser in the front. So the more of that there is to deal with, the crazier it gets. But I love when I've got like my cute little tiny fro out and just the curls will do what they will. And it, it's easier to look not lopsided. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, you've, you've, you've arrived and I'm still on the journey, so... <laughs> It's Anyways. a beautiful journey. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Mads, what's your current fixation? <laughs> um, okay, my my current fixation, guys, I have been watching The Flight Attendant. Has anyone else been watching this on HBO Max? Not yet with Kaylee Cuoco, right? I haven't seen it yet. Yes. So if you are itching for some more like undoing-esque content so if you like binge the undoing and you're like i want this like murder mystery thing to keep going i would highly recommend the flight attendant it's a little um a little more playful than the undoing like the undoing is dark and so this is like a little has a little more playfulness to it um but very fascinating and i mean the great cliffhangers every single time an episode ends i'm like damn it they got me again and i'm on to the next so is it a thriller like a psychological thriller or is it a comedy you know i think it's genreless there's oh, a lot wow. of uh for, i mean it's definitely thriller it's a murder mystery okay. but there's okay. some comedic elements to it and a little bit of like what the fuck it's it's drama it's comedy it's this it's like you're feeling all the feels so okay um highly recommend though it's a it's a great watch all right i'm gonna have to check that out yep okay zuri what is your current fixation um my current fixation is kind of the same fixation i've had for all of the years that it's been on tv but 90 day fiance specifically the other way like that is the the spinoff of all of them that i am just dying every week on the edge of my seat so i started probably four or five years ago watching this because at the time i was in a relationship with a guy from just outside of amsterdam so we were doing the back and forth it was long distance he was like a whole dutch citizen like not (laughs) not in america very often so that's when i first started watching because i was fascinated by couples who kind of were like us i'm not in that relationship anymore I, i ended that years ago but i'm still obsessed with the show and they have there's this one couple on there that I'm fascinated by. Uh, their names are Samit and Jenny. And Samit is, I think, 32 years old. He's Indian from a very traditional, strict Indian family. And he's based in India. And his girlfriend is Jenny, who is a 60-something-year-old white woman from Palm Springs. So a lot going on there. I personally, at first, was like, there's no way no way he's in for the right reasons and it's not for what you'll think like he was kind of being shady he was lying about stuff he was married he was in an arranged marriage and i was like wait what and now that they're both in india together fighting for their love i stand this couple like they're just so in love and his parents are having none of it and i am so invested in their journey and i really just want to see them get married now so clearly i'm obsessed (laughs) but um i recommend 
I'm with you. I jumped on that train and I still have yet to resolve this because for some reason Hulu won't give me the updated season. Um, and you're right. Like you start and you look at these people and you say, there's no fucking way that person's marrying that person for the right reason. Like they want a ticket to America, like all this stuff. And then as it progresses and then also as you see them on Instagram, because now I'm like following mm-hmm. all of them, which they're totally like not aesthetically my feed <laughs> brand. You know what I mean? And I'm like, they're still right. together and they're on baby number yeah. two. And it's it's pretty shocking. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised by how many of these couples are still together years later. And like you said, procreating like it's, it's a little wild. Um, but and it also one thing it also does is just kind of remind me of how annoying we can be as Americans, too, because like I see for the other way people go to the country where their potential spouses, right? So some people are going to India, some people are going to Japan, some they're just all over the place. And then you just see certain Americans being like, oh my God, like I cannot do this. Like where's the soaking tub and uh, the shot. And I'm just like, oh my God, why are we like this? We why are no we like culture. This? We're just like, like st- no culture, like go to some restaurant, super authentic local. And they're just like, so can I get the French fries? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just God. Like, it's just funny. It's funny and it's fun. And I highly recommend people watch. Wow. It you know, um, we have had many guests say that 90 Day Fiance has been their current fixation, and I have yet yeah. to watch it. I have not indulged. You, you know, I you think what my, my problem is, is I don't know where to start because I know there's so many. So it's just like, do I start from the That's most fair. recent or do I kind of go back? What do I do? So, yeah, start like the one before. Mm-hmm. Wait, so are you, which franchise are you watching? Like, are you doing? I'm not watching any. I need some, I need so some, ste- not, I need some like steps into, uh. I would say you should start with the other way, mostly selfishly, because I am watching it and then we can just talk about it together. (laughs) I mean, that sold. Yeah. Um, So the other way is probably the best one because it's airing now. So it's current. If you're going to end up talking about it with people, they're probably not going to want to talk about the couple from five years back, but this one's happening. But I think if you watch that original season, like the first one ever, you will get the truest version of 90 Day because you know how reality it's like, Maybe the first season of any show is pure and authentic and people are in it because that really is just the life they were living. And then after a few years, people are like, oh, wait, I could get famous by going on this reality show. Right. So you're starting to feel that on 90 Day. Like there are a couple of people that I'm like, okay, they were like, let me just go pretend to marry somebody from some other country and then Instagram's going to be lit and I can start my- Yeah, it's the bachelor. It's the bachelor effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. But you know what? 90 Day Fiance has a better track record in <laughs> well, successful couples, I think, than The Bachelor. I mean, no doubt. Who doesn't I, at this I would point? Agree. Seriously. Uh <laughs> just eye roll um okay we we have we have to move on because we have to get into everything zori hall um we're gonna start from the beginning okay how did you even get into hollywood and entertainment talk to us about like that origin story or how that's how this all started for you yeah so i was in school i was at the ohio state university i have to say it as obnoxious as it is to anyone who hasn't graduated from there um but i was close to graduating and i didn't know what was next for me my my first love had always been the arts so i grew up in theater was a total theater geek loved singing dancing um writing creative fiction and acting and so i knew i wanted to be in entertainment um but as I neared graduation, it's like, okay, what is a backup 
plan that is entertainment adjacent if I decide to, you know, go the official my mom and dad won't be stressed route. <laughs> and so for me, I thought that was probably going to be like public relations in the entertainment industry or something like that. So I majored in strategic communication. I minored in theater. And like a few months before I was about to graduate, I was working this desk job, a work study position on campus. And I was just Googling things as one does when they're working a front desk job. <laughs> and bored out of their minds and I stumbled across this posting to be the face of a local tv station it was like do you want to be the next face of blah 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 tv station and I was like hell yeah I don't even know what this is but I want to be the face of it especially if there's a check attached because I needed a job I was about to graduate um fun fact I had just gotten to the last round of teach for America and then not made it to the last one I was like oh. it was the biggest blessing in disguise um, and so I hopped in the car. My boss at the time was awesome. She gave me the day off the next day because the auditions were like the next day in Indiana. So I hopped in my little, uh, 99 Ford tourist hoopty with no air. It was super hot in Ohio. Like we're pushing into the summer months almost. And I drove from Columbus to Indianapolis with the AC not working, sweating my ass off and, um, showed up with about probably two, maybe 300. I don't remember how many other people who auditioned to be the face of this station. Long story short, I ended up winning. So it was, it was elimination style. So from the few hundred who first auditioned, I had to drive back to Indianapolis every time there was a new round. And then it was the top 10. And then it was the final five. Everyone else was local. And they were like, why is this girl? Why is this girl trying to <laughs> like, it's not that serious. I was like, it's serious for me. I need a job. So I got the job. I moved to Indianapolis and that's where it all began. Like I never thought about hosting as a career, honestly, before I won that position, it was always like, oh, I could be an actress. I could sing, I could perform. Um, but I'd never, I just had never thought about it, which is fascinating now because I can't see myself having spent my twenties doing anything else. It felt so right. And so it just snowballs. And when was the moment you came to Los Angeles? Because, oh you know, Ohio to L.A. to access mm -hmm. Hollywood is yeah. is such a big leap. Yeah, it was it's it would be a big leap if it had happened quickly. But it took 10 years to get here. Like I was 21, 22 when I was in Indianapolis. And then that led to a few more jobs in local news. So I climbed the local news market. I went to Dayton for a year. I anchored the evening news in Dallas, Texas for a year. And I was the weather girl while I was down there. I was like a cold friends pushing in. And that's all I can tell you because I'm not a meteorologist. <laughs> Everybody get a jacket. Um, the good thing about Dallas is it's just sunny at 90 degrees, like outside of the freaking tornadoes when I was like you guys need to bring in a real meteorologist like I'm tapping out <laughs> and we did obviously you know public safety being important um so I was in Dallas for a little while and then I moved to New York my goal was to be national by the time I was 25 and uh the opportunity came to host a music countdown show for Fuse TV so I moved to New York did that for a year then hopped over to MTV still in New York and my goal was e-news was like the next step and it came that opportunity a, a few years sooner than I'd expected so I packed up e moved me out to LA spent four to five awesome years there and then moved over to Access Hollywood, which I was super excited about. I wanted to be on the big five, you know, so now it's NBC. I, I joined American Ninja Warrior around that same time. And 
been with them ever since. It's been really amazing. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, it makes sense that you grew up a theater kid and, you know, acted and all these things because hosting and being, you know, an interviewer even is a very performative job, is a very expressive, like you have to be on your toes, you have to be entertaining. So talk to us a little bit about like the interviews that you've done because you, I mean, you have interviewed every single person that is relevant (laughs) in this world. Um, So what makes a good interview to you? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I would say what makes a good interview to me is presence. Mm. And that means being fully mindful in that moment. It One thing that when you're kind of newer to the game and like one bit of advice that I give to um, people who are starting on this track. And then also sometimes what I can see in interviews and I'm like, Ooh, it's not translating is when a reporter or a host is so hell bent on, I'm going to ask this and then this and then this and then this, no matter what. And like, that is a recipe for not disaster, but certainly nothing interesting <laughs> because you've got to be so mindful. And in the moment that like Brad Pitt might give you a little jewel at the end of that sentence. And you've got to be hearing him enough, not thinking about your next question so much, but hearing him enough to say, wait, hold up. You said you were in San Tropez last week. Well, I saw this and did it. So-and-so was there too. Like, well, who were you in San Tropez with? Like there are little gems that you can get if you're really listening and if you're willing to go off script. And I think that comes with being super prepared first and then throwing everything out of the window about how you plan for that conversation to go. And then the muscle memory is there. You know the stats, you know the research, you know the actor or the singer or the celeb. So you just go with the flow. Um, So I would say presence and playfulness is for me like the key to it all. I love um, serious sit downs. I do, I've done a lot of investigative reporting. Um, even at Access, I tend to cover most of our true crime stories. So that takes a certain type of thing. So I'm not talking about that space, but when it comes to entertainment, news and reporting, presence and playfulness, like people want to have fun with you. And if you show up ready to have fun more often than not, they will too. How did you, you know, when you were first kind of thrust in front of a celebrity to interview, because there's a lot of things that can happen when you're first interviewing a celebrity. There's obviously a little bit of, I mean, a lot probably of nerves, a little bit of starstruckness, but there's also potentially like this line of like, how far can I go with these people? Mm-hmm. And and how do I ask information and extract it from them in a way that's not invasive, mm-hmm. but that does feel really, as you said, playful and friendly and informative. How like What was the evolution of your first celebrity interview and how you went into that to kind of what you do now? Oh, great questions, guys. I've never been asked a couple of these. Us. I love you know, it. we're just some... Um, Ooh, like, from, the, from the interview we're queen. We're just interview like, investigative, you know, over <laughs> here. Investigative reporting. Hey, y'all need to come on over to Access Hollywood. Oh, um, we're there. <laughs> if you're listening, there. Access Hollywood, we will come over, whatever. <laughs> we'll see you at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Don't give me my job, Access but like let them work with me, with us. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Um, I would say, so my first, that's like, I wonder what my first celeb interview ever was. Well, that was actually, I think it might've been, this was way before LA or New York. I was still in Indy, but once I committed to hosting, 
I decided, okay, this is what I'm doing. I want to be the best at it and I want to reach the highest heights. So even then I was like, I'm going to start trying to interview celebrities whenever they come to Indiana for like a concert or a show so that I can build a reel that convinces someone in LA or New York to hire me. So I remember if a celeb so much as blinked in the direction of Indiana, I had my little backpack and my camera and I was like ready to try to finesse my way into the scene so I could get an interview. And I think one of the first ones ever was B.O.B. Remember, do you remember that airplanes and the dark yes. sky? Yes. Oh my God. He really yes. song. He was dope. Um, really amazing rapper. Um, I think he might have changed his name to Bobby Ray at one point, which is his real name. But so B.O.B. was probably the first one. Um, that one went well. I remember we were backstage. I I have always had a a natural inclination, I think, for that playfulness. So that wasn't something that I had to develop. Um, if anything, I think that's what kind of helped me get the momentum quickly was that I, I brought a, a certain vibe to an interview that I guess stood out to hiring people, people with hiring power. And so they said, that's why we want her is because of this natural playfulness or personality. Um, more than that, I would say the biggest difference or evolution has been, I never got starstruck often, so that was never that wasn't a thing for me. And I think that's what helped me do my job better. Is I I wasn't so freaked out for the big ones. Yes, the first time I interviewed Oprah, oh my gosh, I almost had a panic attack. Leonardo DiCaprio, I almost puked, but that was because I had food poisoning that day. Uh, like there's certain <laughs> certain names that yes, you get the jitters, but um, there's a word that I just learned, guys, and I it was in someone's podcast review actually. What's it called? when you are overly gracious with like a celeb or a famous person. Oh my God, I love you so much. Oh my God, you are so famous. Oh my God, like just thinking hyper. When you're like when the, yeah, like, Yes, just them. like totally kissing ass. Like to the point, it, no one's even taking the interview seriously because they're like, this person is too obsessed or in awe of this human. Do we know that word, anybody? Uh, well, I, like fangirl. Fangirling. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, fangirl. that's the way better, like easier thing to say. Yeah, so... Um, my evolution, the biggest thing has been, I used to be overly generous, I think, with my interviews and fangirl even more than I meant to, right? Because again, like I don't get starstruck often. I was raised, especially by my, both my parents, but my dad especially instilled like, we're all just people. We just got different jobs. We do different things. Some people with more money, some people with less. So I've always only believed that. But in the beginning stages of, of Hollywood, for whatever reason, I think I sometimes had the tendency to lay on the fangirl a little thick. And what I realized quickly was one, I don't even, it's not even that serious to me. So I've got to, I'm not gonna not be true to that part of me that says you are just a human like me. And what I realized is people respect that too, right? And it's like when you remove the fangirl element, which I didn't do a lot of, but I, I can, I've seen a lot of reporters and hosts do it it allows the person you're interviewing to be like, okay, they're just talking to me person to person. Like an, an interaction with a fan is very different from an interaction with a respected journalist or reporter who's there to do a job. And so you totally. show up in a different way. Yeah. So it was probably the first year that I had to shake off the, oh my God, I'm talking to famous people jitters so that I could just talk to a person yeah. who happened to be famous. And that probably came with practice as well. Like as you did so many, like it was, right. you know, just like nothing to you. But 
I, I'm kind of curious to know, like, over the years, what has been the most surprising interview or celebrity that you've um, interviewed? For instance, if it's, you know, just someone you didn't really not didn't care about, but just like you were you didn't know much about. And it was like, oh, shit, like this person. OK, like something yeah. surprising. Mm. Or you went into it thinking this is going to go this way because we have preconceived notions of a celebrity. And then they gave you a little bit of their personality that was super, you know, you weren't expecting that. Um, I would say Jim Carrey. Yeah. um, He's so smart. He's a fucking genius. Going into an interview with him, a conversation with him, it is like you have got to be on your A game, on your toes. Like he is tap dancing and cartwheeling and backflipping and he'll go. He, he's going to surpass you, no doubt. So, but he will go as far as you can keep up with, which to me is fascinating and so exciting. And I like to be challenged in that way mentally. It's like a, like a sparring match, but a fun one. It's not argumentative or like debating. It's more like, He's going to go up in the clouds with this conversation and y'all can like go out into the stratosphere if you're ready to buckle up, but you got to be ready and keep up. And I realized that 30 seconds into my first interview with him and I was like, oh shit, let's go. Like it was so much fun, but it took every ounce of mental presence and commitment to just keep up with how beautiful his mind is and how quickly it works. It's just most people's minds aren't like that, you know? Like, I can't explain it. Um, no, I, I can't explain No, that makes more. complete sense. Does it make sense? Do you know what I mean? Like, some people who are super, I don't know if cerebral is the word, but just... Um, well, it's talent. He has literal, like, this sharp intellect. I mean, to be that yes. funny and to be that successful at comedy and humor, you have yeah. to be, like, sharp as a pin. So and sharp. It's, yeah. And he's quick. It's mm-hmm. it's so fast too. So it's like we know that, right? That's why he's the comedic genius he is. We get to watch it, but from the comfort of our home. Yeah. <laughs> without the pressure to like rise to where he is. Um, so the first time that I met him, one he was super sweet, the nicest guy, which didn't surprise me. He seemed like a really nice guy. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised to realize how thoughtful he he was too and that even though he seems to be kind of like in his own beautiful mind and in his head um there was a moment we were talking this is the second time ever that I interviewed him and we were going back and forth and he was giving it and I was giving it back and so it was really it was becoming really fun and it was kind of like a tennis match if you will um but then there was a moment where we were talking about football and uh I think he said something about uh, football players getting banged up in their heads and how they needed to be careful because of their brains and these things, like really serious stuff that he's right about it. So true. But I um, was newly into a relationship with a football player. And so it suddenly became really personal for me. And I was really kind of like, he could visibly see like, oh, wait, we're not just like ping ponging and talking anymore. Like she's something's wrong with her. And there was like a shift in his energy that I will never forget because it was really considerate. It was thoughtful. And suddenly he kind of went out of Jim Carrey mode and just went into pure like Jim, like, Oh, are you okay? Like what's, what's wrong? And Oh, oh, I'm dating a football player and I'm a little like, wow. And then he was like, it just shifted. And then he went into taking care of my emotions in that moment and being like, Oh, this is why you shouldn't have to worry about that. And it was like night and day. It wasn't 
the Jim Carrey I was talking to five minutes before that, which was also amazing. And I was like, how sweet and kind to take that time. And then even after the interview wrapped up, he, you know, took an extra minute or two to just check in and talk with me and kind of like get me out of the head that I just put myself into about, oh God, I don't want my boyfriend to get CD. So I, th I thought that was really sweet. Most people are fun to talk to, but you don't expect them to care enough about the person on the other side of the mic to, to take the time to, you know, check in and make sure they're okay too. He's also such, you know, he just came out with a book that my husband read that's on my to-do list to read. And he's someone that I think if he wasn't a comedian, he would be like a very big thought leader when it comes to philosophy uh. and emotional intelligence and the way he views the world and society. I think he has a certain way of seeing the world that is so beyond what someone knows about him when they just watch um, one of his movies. I was watching The Hollywood Reporter did a roundtable on a bunch of male comics, and he was in it. And just, you're right, he, he's almost like a symphony. Like, he orchestrates a room and orchestrates right. a conversation right. so beautifully. Yeah. And it, it is really, I mean, that's really good to hear that he was he was also so mindful mm. of you and, and not just just being you know this is an interview for right, me i think right. that's, that's exactly something you don't expect from celebrities uh, i want to ask what was like a pinch me moment of your career this far i mean we talked about your emmy which is just like mm -hmm. you know <laughs> huge flex but um what was something where you know maybe it was a red carpet moment maybe it was you know just you on e-news whatever it was what was mm -hmm. something where it really stands out to you in your collective career um Every time I've spoken to Oprah Winfrey, just, I mean, just, yeah, like that's the sentence. That's the answer. Yep. Um, more than anything, it's because people say often don't meet your idols. Don't meet the people you look up to because very often they disappoint. I've met a person or two that I'm like, damn, I really wish I hadn't met them. And that it's such a disappointing thing when you've spent years in your childhood or your teenage years admiring someone's art, not just like fangirl. I mean, truly like, one person that I'd met was this musician who just spoke to my soul. And I was so disappointed that I couldn't even listen to the music that had saved my life at points for like a few months. And then I was like, nah, the music's too good. So I gotta listen to it. I gotta, I gotta compartmentalize. Block out that <laughs> trigger moment where I actually had to engage with them. Um, but Oprah just never disappoints she is so generous and gracious with her time and her energy and her spirit and it's with everyone you watch her give all of herself to every single person that she interacts with on a red carpet or at a junket and i always joke it makes you feel less special but i'm really joking because the truth is it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with just how much she enjoys generosity how much she enjoys giving of herself um and i remember the first time that i interviewed her i was so nervous not just because it was oprah and she's someone i admire but because i was about to give her a loaf of bread remember the whole i love bread phase right. yeah. and i was like this is either gonna go really well or really badly and i cannot afford to ruin my first encounter with oprah but my producer was like i think you should give her a loaf of bread it could be funny and i was like all right here we go it's just like threw one up said a prayer <laughs> it was like before i let you go and i pulled this massive like french baguette out of my tote bag 
And she was like, oh, well, thank you. I do love it. And she was like, but next time you need to toast it. And I was like, oh, yes, Oprah, you better get me together and set me straight. I will give you toasted bread next time, queen. Um, oh my God, that's amazing. amazing. So she was super, and she put it in her purse. She like took it into the movie theater that she, that she was headed into. She's like, I'll stack on this during the movie. I know. I wonder who ended up eating it. I doubt it was her, but <laughs> the fact that she took it with her was very, very generous. And then um, there was another time where she gave me dating advice. I was newly single and I was like, I got Oprah for five minutes. I, I have to ask her how to do this. And I was like, you know, how do I maximize this time? And she just dropped some knowledge, some really great advice. And, you know, told me how to focus on being the, the lover, the friend, the companion that I would want in someone else. And it was just good stuff. And, and I followed that advice and found a boyfriend. More so Oprah Aww. was your, like, she gave you permission to mm-hmm. like manifest this boyfriend is really what right. we're you know placing together oh, here. no doubt no doubt I told her I was yeah. like we did it like you we did you manifested my man <laughs> Oprah was like she was like we, we did, did it. it Zuri we did it oh it's amazing so she's just so great she's just so positive and warm like I mean come on it's Oprah what it's do Oprah. I even have to say yeah yeah it's Oprah. it's Oprah okay so I have a question because as I'm sitting here listening to you talk about all of these yeah. people I'm realizing that a lot of potentially, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of your identity here is the people that you interview. But behind that is clearly a very calculated, hardworking, ambitious, strategic Mm -hmm. person in her career as as a woman who's public facing. And so I want to ask, like, who are you as the interviewer? Like, what do you want to bring to your yeah. job? Like, what is the end goal when you interview these people? Because I know sometimes it's not just getting information from them to then share it to the world, but there's something, there's an imprint that you're obviously leaving behind mm-hmm. as well. And so I would love to tap into like, to, to kind of that energy that's just you yeah. in the yeah. situation and and what that looks like to yeah. you. Yeah, um, so for me, uh, the, the biggest thing that I always desire to do. And you know, we talked a little bit earlier about like asking these celebrities questions and things like that. And I will say, um, one thing that I've always prided myself on and one thing that I've always committed to and I've more strongly committed to it in the last few years is I'm not into salacious stuff. I'm not into like gossipy tabloidy stuff. I don't believe in exploiting people or their personal lives or even anything they've said, period, whether on record or not. Like, I'm just not that person. Like I'm not a gotcha interviewer or a gotcha reporter. Um, That's just not how I want to work. And I don't want people to look at me and ever feel that like, oh God, here comes there, you know? And there's certain people who do that and certain people who do it well and they've come to be known for it to the point like you respect it in a certain sense, you know, celebs will go to them if only because it's kind of like a rite of passage to do that. Um, And so it works for certain people, but that's just not how I am. So one thing that I really um, try to bring to each interaction with these celebs is not just that presence I spoke of, but human connection and it's the same way that I am now with like the podcast that I just launched and how I am in real life I value connection and I I hope that people feel seen when I speak to them when I interview them when I talk to them and really heard and you will be surprised how some of the biggest stars in the world can feel so 
unseen, like truly seen. Like you, you almost start to get this sense that they're trapped in this box of like who they're supposed to be. And they get asked the same questions every day and they say the same answers. And for the most part, people are fine with that because they're giving what is expected of them. Um, but I really try to bring, um, an appreciation for the person that I'm speaking to. And then also I try to bring a sense of integrity to the conversation uh, so that there's trust there. Um, and when I ask a question, especially if it's personal, which is, to be honest, what a lot of people want to know about is the personal stuff. I try to always ask it from, from a true intention of, let me help you share your story, whatever that truly is. I don't need you to give me a bite that I can finesse and turn into clickbait or a headline. It might get me more clicks. It might get our video a few more views when it goes on YouTube, but that's not more important to me than helping you show who you really are, whatever portion of that you're willing to share with the public. Because I also respect that people don't want to share certain things. And that's something that's built over time. So the, the longer I've been in this industry, the more respect I feel coming back from the, the, the famous spaces who have gotten to know me over the years, because they know when I show up for an interview, what, what they can trust and also what they don't have to brace for or like kind of like pin, pin, get pent up over. Um, so I just try to bring authenticity, relatability. I'm from Ohio. I'm a proud Midwestern girl um, who has you kind of worked her butt off to get to the life of her dreams. And a lot of the celebs I'm interviewing are the same way deep down. You know, everybody's not from like the sexy city of LA or New York. Um, jealous of the people who are, who got to grow up with that experience. I just didn't. Um, there are a lot of people who are in middle America and were trying to figure out not how to get out, but how to go do more and be more and see more and then maybe come back home. And um, I think I bring that to most of my interviews and conversations is that sort of Midwestern sensibility. And um, I certainly try to bring it to my interviews too. Yeah. There seems to be a groundedness and a human element to what you bring to to these interviews and to your interactions and you mentioned your podcast which is called hot happy mess which i i mean just <laughs> great name great name um <laughs> and you, you talk you, about you. you talk about millennial burnout and i kind of want to ask because we just we touched on this about you know a lot of your job is being fully present and mindful and that takes i mean even just one interview which is just like one hour of your day takes exceptional like emotional and mental like maximum you have to be ma operating at this maximum capacity so yeah. how have what are some tips and how have you not fallen into burnout because what I find is when I'm operating at that maximum capacity all the time that's when burnout yeah. happens so how can yeah. you stay focused and stay mindful in these interviews that you're doing in the work that you're doing daily but then like not burn out and, and practice self-care and understand rest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say it was a journey for me. If you'd asked me that even three to four years ago, wouldn't have had an answer because I was probably going to go have a meltdown as soon as we got off the phone <laughs> because I was burnt out and it was not like a phase. It was like my new way of being, of existing in the world. My twenties, I'm still ambitious, but I was so ambitious and it was my only pillar. Like that was the focus. So if career was going well, 
I gave it my all. I gave it my time, my energy, my money, my resources, my everything. So when it was going well, I was on cloud nine. And then when it shook, when that pillar shook, or when I um, wasn't getting booked for the gigs I thought I was getting booked, I should get booked for, I worked harder, which burned me out more. And my world shook because it was only that pillar. And it took therapy, which I started probably about three years ago. Um, it took therapy one to realize that I needed more pillars. I needed to build up the family and friends portion because I love my family and friends so much, but I wasn't prioritizing time with them because I was telling myself this lie of, if you're not always hustling, 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 you're never going to make it. Or someone else is going to get that instead of you. Like you just, I had conditioned myself to believe that burnout, that sensation was a good thing because it told me I was doing enough. And so when you've normalized the feeling of burnout to where I want to feel that because as exhausted as I am, that means I just like worked my butt off. Oh my God, that is not healthy. It's not normal. And so it took me realizing, okay, I am crying all the time. I'm tired. I'm happy when I'm killing it at my job, but then I go home and I veg out on the couch and can't put two sentences together to save my life. Cause I'm just, like you said, operating at max capacity in these social work environments was a lot. And so it was like, something's got to give. So I've started therapy. Um, I started saying no to things. I felt less pressure to say yes to everything. And as sucky as it feels in the moment to be like, Hey, no, I can't do that. You know, what feels 10 times better not doing that shit when it comes around and you look at that Saturday afternoon and realize, thank God, I said I wasn't going to do that because the worst feeling is dragging yourself out of bed to go do something you could have said no to, but you wanted to be pleasant or nice or, you know, not create friction. Um, so I just encourage people to take those feelings of burnout and say, hey, it's okay that I feel this. It's an alarm system. What is my body telling me? Why am I exhausted? Why am I snapping more than usual at the kids or my partner or my friends? Why am I in my room in the dark for three or four days straight when everything's done? Like, what is my body trying to tell me? And then make the changes. Like for me, uh, especially in the last couple of years, it's been self-care as buzzwordy as that is now. You know, everyone talks about it. But for me, it's, the bubble baths I love, like the obvious physical stuff. I love candles. I'm like in a constant quest to like burn down my house apparently because I keep falling asleep with them on. It's a problem. My landlord is hopefully not listening to this or he's probably gonna evict me. Um, uh, I wish I could say I love working out. I freaking hate it. It's torture. I want nothing to do with it. Uh, but I do go outside for leisurely strolls in the park. Uh, we you sound like me. <laughs> yeah. Do you not do the workout thing? I don't do the Mads is a big worker outer. I can't fuck with <laughs> it for the life of me. So I just yeah. walk. I just go I like walk, for a walk at a brisk pace. Like I started the year yeah. doing a one mile run every morning. And then the one good thing about the pandemic was it was an excuse for me not to run. I was like, my self-care is not running. This is me taking care of myself. I need to do, I need to do get through 2020. Oh no, I can't, I could, I couldn't do a mile. No way. That's, that's like where I draw the line. The running is not a, not a thing I do. 
Um, <laughs> but this this is all it's so true. And I mean, we talk a lot about self-care on this podcast and not mm. in the like warm and fuzzy way, like therapy and doing the hard work and understanding right. that self-care doesn't always have to be pretty and face masks. It's actually right. examining yourself and mm. uh, really making those changes and saying Boundary. no, saying no is is it is super tricky, especially if. Yeah. what your barometer for success was okay I have to have every opportunity let me say yes 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 it is really important to know your boundaries right right yeah it's hard also thanks for saying yes to us I feel so I feel so I I mean like we are the one percent and we are this had to get the yes yes we had to get the yes okay should we ask the last question our favorite question yes so we ask every woman that comes on to this podcast at the end of the interview uh-huh. or chat or conversation, whatever you want to call it, if you had to brag about one thing in your life and you're not allowed to be humble, oh. what would you brag about? Okay. Um, that is great. Uh, the one thing in my life that I would brag about without being humble is... Dang, like I'm torn between two things. Say the I both. I love this question. Okay. Um, Cause one is like braggy, okay, right? Yes, so that's, that's what we the, want. But that's then the other want. one is just like genuinely. So the first thing I'll just say, cause it's really what I brag about most is I just have an amazing, and this is like, oh, okay, Zuri, oh, whatever. but like, I have an amazing support network. Like my family and friends, I'm obsessed with them. You guys like, they're just, it's unreal. Like I just, I look at my texts, I see my dad call or my mom and I'm just like, I am the luckiest. So I really brag on that. Cause I know that that's a blessing and it's not promised. And a lot of people can't say that, Mm -hmm. especially not about maybe both parents or all of their friends. Like I am so lucky in that department, but that's like a a cop out answer. I get it. Cause it's not super braggadocious. So if I had to brag and not be humble, I would say, I get shit done. I get what I want. Like I really do. (laughs) I work my butt off. None of this is accidental. I didn't fall into it. It's not the luck of the draw. Um, I have thought about everything that I'm doing. And there's a lot that I haven't done yet, but all that ever feels like to me is a yet. Um, But I've just been playing one really long game of chess. Mm -hmm. And I've been playing it since I was probably, honest to God, 12 or 13. Like, the, the life that I'm living now at 32 has everything to do with just how much work, discipline, sacrifice I've been putting in since 12 years old when I snuck away, uh, convinced my papa to be my getaway driver, my grandpa, to go to the school outside of the inner city where I grew up to test for this private country day school that my parents said I could not go test for because we couldn't afford it. Papa took me anyway. I ended up getting that academic scholarship. So I had a full ride there. That six years changed the the trajectory of my life. And everything since then, since that 12-year-old Zuri decision has been so intentional. And so, yeah, like, I I appreciate this opportunity to say, like, it's not just like, just work hard and see what happens. Like, the truth is, like, I've worked my butt off and I've, I've had to put a lot of thought into it. And I've, I'm proud of where I am, but I also deserve to be where I am. Well, you're an exemplary. I don't know that I think that's the wrong word. You are such a shining example of someone who, as you said, not just works hard, but actually becomes the architect Mm -hmm. of their daily life, which is, I mean, 
yeah, you deserve all of this for sure. But I think it's, it's more fulfilling to know that you earned it. Oh, you know? no, no just, doubt. Yeah. I'm, I'm such an advocate for earning anything. Like with, with everyone, the, the women and men, just the people that I respect and admire the most are people who put in the work, like, and also no shade to anybody who's like, oh, wow, I just fell into some dope stuff. Cause like that's happened in my life too. But I think sometimes to your point about humility, um, like we, especially as women are conditioned to be like, oh, wow, I just like looked up and like, I'm just so lucky. I'm just so blessed. Like, I just, I don't know. I just, I just, ah. and it's like, no, I actually really worked my butt off for this. So I appreciate, you know, spaces and conversations that encourage women to kind of own it a little bit more because we have been conditioned not to. That's what we do. Yep. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you so much. We admire you. And this conversation, I think, is going to empower so many women to just lean into their grit and lean into that discipline. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you so much for being so vulnerable and talking to us. Can you tell thank you. everyone where they can find you and find the pod and all the things? Yeah, so you can listen to Zuri Hall's Hot Happy Mess. That's the name of the podcast on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, the whole thing, every podcaster has to say, wherever you get your podcast. Um, and you can keep up with me on Instagram is mostly where I, I do all of my sharing. So that's Zuri Hall, Z-U-R-I-H-A-L-L. Thank you so much. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.